0: Good morning. This is Pastor Chris Shoemaker of the Plaster Rock United Baptist Church here with today's Sunday School lesson. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 25, and we're going to be discussing the death of Abraham. Um, But it's more than just the death of Abraham. We're going to dig into some parts of Scripture that that are just brushed over. That are just missed uh, simply because it's a list of names, it's a list of begats, it's a list of you know people and that really, we feel, don't have anything to do with us. <clears throat> For instance, it gives the lineage of Ishmael's children. Most of us believers are like, well, who cares? Those are the Muslim people. They have nothing to do with us. Why do we care about them? Because it matters to Scripture. It matters enough to God to put them in the Scriptures. And it matters to us historically, because if we're going to establish the Bible as the word of God, as an authentic, uh, reliable book and source for not only doctrine, but also history, we need to dig in a little deeper, even to the things that we may think are unimportant or maybe a little bit boring or what have you and so we're going to uh discuss ishmael's children who who were they and can you find them anywhere else in scripture besides in this lineage can you find them anywhere in history besides right here uh, so um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that i'm excited about that so let's just go ahead and open up with a word of prayer and we'll get underway our dear lord and heavenly father we want to thank you for this beautiful glorious morning Uh, The sky is blue, the air is crisp, the sun is shining, the birds are singing, the squirrels are scampering. Uh, We just want to thank you for everything you've done for us and everything you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for our health and our strength. Thank you, Lord, for keeping us together um, as a church family and as brothers and sisters in Christ. We want to thank you for those who are watching right now that may not be a part of our congregation, that are living elsewhere in Canada and the United States and and across the globe. And uh, we just thank you for that. Lord, bless this time that we have set aside to study your word. Open up our hearts and minds to the reality of your word, what your word has has to say to us so we can apply it to our hearts and our lives and our minds and be better people, better witnesses, better ambassadors for you uh, to this lost and dying world that so seriously needs a revival, it so seriously needs to come back to you. Lord, we love you and praise you and ask these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. All right, I'm going to be reading from the Tree of Life version. It's a Messianic version of scripture. There were 70 scholars, half of which were Christian, the other half were uh, Jewish believers, and they've come up with this great translation. And I use it for Sunday school because it brings out the Hebraic Jewish flavor of the Hebraic scriptures. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 25, and we're gonna dig right in right after I have my sip of coffee here. Okay, starting with verse one, it says, "'Now Abraham took another wife.' Her name was Keturah. Now we have a, a little debate going on within Judaism regarding who Keturah was. There's some rabbis who believe that Keturah was actually Hagar, and her name was changed to Keturah because she converted. Because after all, she came from Egypt. She probably worshipped and believed in the uh, Egyptian pantheon, and uh, of course due to sarah and the protection of isaac and the messianic line and seed her and ishmael were sent away so in other words they kind of had a divorce uh, kind of a separation and uh so there's also legends that while they were living in the desert that abraham came a few times to visit ishmael to you know because he missed him to just remind him that despite the circumstances he still loved them he, he was still his son after all, he sent Ishmael away with the exact same blessing that Isaac got, minus the the uh, uh, the the blessing of the covenant to carry on the messianic line. So we have indication that Ishmael believes in Abraham's God and worshipped Abraham's God, and maybe this is what won Hagar over. If indeed Hagar is really Keturah, because there is a tradition that when uh, a pagan comes to know the Lord, they change their name to reflect that change in their life Uh, we see this even in christendom in mission in missions in africa and other places like that a lot of times when people get saved they will change their name uh, from their their birth name to a biblical name Uh, we see that all the time and i especially witnessed that and experienced that when i was in africa working among the ebu people so there's some people that believe that after sarah died That kind of freed Abraham up to take, uh, to end the separation and take Hagar back into his household. Now, there's others who believe that Keturah was somebody totally different, uh, was just a a totally different woman. Regardless of who she was, she was Abraham's wife. Uh, I personally kind of believe maybe, you know, I've been on the fence for a long time, but the more I study, I kind of see how Keturah is somebody totally different from Hagar. But Hagar means fugitive. And Hagar was a slave that was given to Abraham and Sarah when they left Egypt. Now, keturah means incense. And incense is used in worship. Um, It's used also in prayer. Uh, at the altar of incense in the tabernacle and temple. When prayers were offered, the incense was offered at the same time, and it was symbolic how as the smoke of the incense rises to God, the prayers ascend to God, and just as the incense is a sweet smell, so is the prayers of the people. So Hagar means fugitive, Keturah means incense. All right, so moving on to verse 2, it says, She bore him Zimran, Jokshin, Medan, Midian, Midian, hmm, that kind of sounds familiar. Where do we run into Midian at? Midian uh, was the group of people that Moses married into because after he left Egypt and was on the run because he killed uh, an, an, um, an Egyptian and buried him in the sand and it was discovered, he made his way into the desert. Uh, he kind of rescued uh, some, some women in distress who were shepherdess and uh, they were trying to get well, water well well from the water, and these other guys were keeping him from it, so Moses defended them and defended their honor, and as a result, he was invited back to the house, and Jethro, also known as Ruel, uh, there's so many names, there's Jethro, there's Ruel, he was known as the priest of Midian, I believe that um, Ruel uh, maybe might have been more of a title, and Jethro might have actually been his name, you know, we don't know, but it wasn't uncommon for people to have more than one name, in scripture so uh jethro or ruel was uh from midian he was the priest of midian he was moses's father-in-law so he was a direct descendant of uh, abraham and Keturah. Uh so abraham or uh, midian is a child of abraham and so okay so we also have um ishbach and shua uh, all right we'll keep reading joction fathered Sheba and Dedan. Dedan's sons were Ashurim and Letushim and uh, Lemim. Boy, this is hard. (laughs) Bear with me here. Midian's sons, okay, so we're talking about Jethro's people. Midian's sons were Ephah, Epher, Hanach, uh, Abida, and Eldia. All these were Keturah's sons now Abraham gave everything he had to Isaac so Isaac inherited the estate he basically took Abraham's place now back then sometimes there were some nefarious things going on in the family with Jacob and his 12 sons we see that Reuben maybe felt unloved maybe felt like his mother Leah was not given the prominence as first wife as she should. And so uh, Reuben became a little jealous and what happened to Reuben? He was always trying to win his father's approval. He tried to save Joseph from from being killed, tried to save Joseph from going off into slavery. When they went down to Egypt, he offered up his sons if, you know, he wouldn't bring Benjamin back safe. So he was always trying to win daddy's favor. Well, there come a point where Reuben basically just lost his firstborn position because he slept with one of the handmaids, uh, with one of the concubine of of Jacob. And so therefore that – and what, what that was is that was a power move on Reuben saying, okay, dad, you're old. It's time for you to retire. I'm the firstborn. I want to take my leadership position now. So to prove that, I'm going to jockey for position, make you lose face, and be embarrassed because I'm going to sleep with one of your handmaids. Well, when it was discovered, Jacob's like, uh, I'm still alive. I'm not dead yet. Not on my watch. You lost everything, bud. And so, um, you know, that, that, that took place back then. So we see that Isaac got the estate legally and by good means and verse 6 but to the sons of abraham's concubines abraham give had given gifts and sent them away from his sons while isaac was still living because the abraham didn't want any competition abraham didn't want there to be a chance where isaac would have been assassinated because he had a big target on his back because he's the one who inherited the estate so therefore So therefore, um, you know, everybody was sent away to protect Isaac and everybody got their share and and everybody was pretty much happy with that. Uh, So it says, but to the sons of Abraham's concubines, Abraham had given gifts and sent them away from his sons, from his son Isaac, while he was still living eastward to the land of the east. All right. So um, we see that Ishmael was sent away uh, and the other sons were sent away. And they were sent away with blessings. So I want to remind you that in Genesis twenty-one, eight through ten, it says, "And the child grew and was weaned." Talking about Isaac, Abraham made a big feast on the day Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she she had born to Abraham, making fun. Uh, and and we discussed this in previous lessons that it was just more than just mocking or making fun. It was a dangerous kind of sport, like. There's legends that maybe he was shooting him with arrows, uh, trying to shoot him with arrows. So she said to Abraham, drive out this female slave and her son, for the son of this female slave will not be an heir with my son Isaac. Uh, So we see that Ishmael was sent away as a a young child, um, as a young man. Uh, Okay, and I also want to draw to your attention Genesis chapter 17, verses 18 through 21. says so abraham said to god if only ishmael might live before you so ishmael was abraham's firstborn son through hagar but he was not the chosen seed he was not the one that was going to carry on the lineage of messiah but abraham still loved him just because he was the son of a handmaid didn't mean he loved him any less than isaac uh so verse 19 says but god said on the contrary sarah your wife will bear a son and you must name him isaac So I will confirm my covenant with him, an everlasting covenant for his seed after him. As for Ishmael, so here God is addressing Ishmael. And we see that God also loves Ishmael just as much as he loves Isaac. The only difference is Isaac carried on the messianic heritage. Uh, The Messiah, Yeshua, was going to be born through Isaac's line. So verse 20, as for Ishmael, I have heard you. See, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful. I will multiply him very, very much. He will be the father of 12 princes. Wait a second. How many sons did Jacob have? How many tribes in Israel are there? 12. Ishmael got the same blessing. Um, 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. Wait a second. Wasn't that the exact same promise that God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob they'd make him a great nation? Same blessing. Same blessing. But my covenant, here's the difference, my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you this same time next year. All right, back to Genesis 25, our focus text. So I just wanted just to, you know, just to establish that um, all of Abraham's children was sent away with their inheritance, with their gifts, what was coming to them, with all their blessings, to leave Isaac be in peace, to carry on the heritage, the, the, the estate, and the messianic line. All right, now, verses 7 through 10 of chapter 25 of Genesis says, Now, these are the days of the years of Abraham's life that he lived, 175 years. So Abraham breathed his last and died at a good old age, old and satisfied. Uh, Then he was gathered to his peoples. Verse 9, then Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah. Isaac and Ishmael were his two main sons, his two main boys, right? The, 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 two of the firstborns, if you will. What I read from this and what I gather from this is that whatever animosity there was between Isaac and Ishmael, I think now was gone. I think that, through, that they came together in unity through the death of their father, Abraham, and they buried the hatchet as they buried their father, Abraham. Then Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him. They, how can two walk together if they not agree, as Amos 3.3 3 says, right? They had to be in agreement. So either they set aside their differences or their you know, feelings or whatever for the sake of their father, or they really did bury the hatchet. I would like to think that they buried the hatchet. Buried him in the cave of Machpelah. So in Machpelah, you have Abraham uh, and Sarah and all the other patriarchs uh, would be buried there. Uh, Okay, verse 10, the field that Abraham bought from the sons of Heth, there Abraham is buried along with Sarah, his wife. Okay, verse 11, after Abraham's death, God blessed Isaac, his son, and Isaac lived near Bir Laharoi. Now, Bir Laharoi, we run into this place several times in scripture, and the first place that we run into it is Genesis chapter 16, verses 7 through 14. And it says, this is when when uh, uh, Hagar uh, and Ishmael uh, were, were sent away. Okay, so it says, The angel of Adonai found her, Hagar, by the spring of water in the wilderness next to the spring on the way to shore. He said, Hagar, Sarah's slave girl, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. And the angel of Adonai said, return to your mistress and humble yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will bountifully multiply your seed and they will be too too many to count. So this is kind of a prophetic blessing that Ishmael is going to have many children just as Abraham was going to have many children, just as Isaac and Jacob were going to have many children, right? Uh, Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will bountifully multiply your seed and they will be too many to count. The angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are pregnant and are about to bear a son. You shall name him Ishmael, which means God hears the man or the man God hears. So this even gives a hint to the affection that God had for Ishmael. Ishmael gets such a bad rap because he's purported to be the father of the, the Muslim people and so everybody boohoo's on ishmael because ishmael was was born in haste trying to help god along and bringing a promised son but god loved ishmael just as much as he loved isaac um verse 12 he will be a wild donkey of a man and his hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him and away from his brothers he will dwell so he'll be kind of a nomadic bedouin type of person uh so she called Adonai who was speaking to her, you are the God who sees me, for she said, uh, would I have gone here indeed looking for him who is looking after me? This is why the well is named the well of the living one who sees me. This is the name Bir Laharoy. That's where we get the name. So this well was named by Hagar and it means Birha Laharoy means the God who sees me. Uh, okay, so the next place we run into, Birla Laharoi, is in Genesis 24, which we tackled last week. In 2462 it says, now Isaac had come from visiting Bir Laharoy and was living in the land of the Negev. So we see that uh, this is where uh, Isaac ends up settling near this area so that's why i wanted to bring it out as we're studying genesis chapter 25. see that's the thing when you do bible study a lot of times people read over places and names don't give it a second thought because they don't think it's important but it's it's very important and we need to take time to dig into the lineages all the begets and and the lands and you know so we can kind of get a good picture in our head where things are and when we talk about the scriptures to other people we can give a more accurate historical uh, archaeological even account And therefore bring more credibility to the scriptures in the eyes of people so moving on to verses 12 through 18 here we're talking about the genealogies of ishmael and this is where i want to kind of stop and hang out a little bit it seems boring on the surface because you're just rattling off a bunch of names hardly any of us can pronounce but yet it's very important and i want to hopefully that i can bring that across to you why that is so in uh genesis 25 beginning with uh verse Eleven through eighteen it says, After Abraham's death, God blessed Isaac his son, and Isaac lived near Birla Haroi. Now these are the genealogies of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, Sarah's Egyptian slave girl, bore to Abraham. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael, by their names according to their descendants. Ishmael's firstborn was Nebioth, then Kidar, Abdil, or Adbil, I'm sorry uh mibsam see i'm having trouble pronouncing these names too mishma duma massa hadad tima jetor nafsha uh, nafish and kidim these are ishmael's sons and and these are their names by their unwalled and walled settlements 12 princes according to their clans so these are like the 12 tribes of ishmael instead of the 12 tribes of israel so it's important we know who these 12 individuals are and can we trace them through the scriptures and history yes yes we can and i will show you how these are the sons of uh ishmael and these are their names by their walled and unwalled settlement settlements 12 princes according to their clans these are the years of ishmael's life 137 he breathed his last died and was gathered to his people Then they dwelled from um, Havilah to Shur, which is in the east of Egypt, uh, as you go towards Assyria over against uh, all his brothers, he fell. Okay, so um, Nabaoth, these are the Nabataeans. So Ishmael's son Nabaoth was uh, of the Nabataeans. You can find them referenced in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 7. And for the sake of time, we're not going to go into all these scriptures that I'm going to cite. I'm just going to let you know. Ishmael's sons are found elsewhere in the scriptures besides here in this lineage. So, Kedar. Kedar is the father of the Kedarites, and he is found referenced in Isaiah 21, 16 through 17, and Ezekiel 27, 21. Abdiel, which is also known as um, uh, Idabilu, he lived near uh, Sinai and became subject to Tiglath-Pileser II in 744 to 727 BC. So we can find this descendant in the annals of history. You have Mishma and uh, Mibsam. They are the founders of villages around Jebel, Misma, and they intermarried with the Simeonites. So they intermarried with one of the tribes of Israel, and they're found in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 24 through 27. See how important it is now? Are you kind of getting the picture why it's important to understand names and lineages? I was talking with a guy um, about a week ago. Pardon me. I'm going to get a drink of coffee here. I was talking to a guy about a week ago and he's like, you know, it's really hard to read through all these lineages and stuff. And sometimes I just skip over it. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. I get it. Maybe you're not there yet to be able to really dig into the lineages. But one thing I discovered with the lineages, you get a coded spiritual message when you go down through the names of lineage and you find out what their names mean. You put all those meanings together, and it forms a paragraph. It, por- it forms a sentence, and it forms a prophetic message regarding those people and those descendants. So, you know, it's pretty awesome when you get down to it. Okay, so moving on, the other son was Duma. He's associated with Canaan and the Edomites, according to Joshua 1552 and Isaiah 2111. You have Massa. Uh, he's recorded as paying tri- tribute to Tiglath-Pileser third. Now El Maser, or the God of Massa, uh, where Israel is this? This is where Israel murmured in the wilderness. Uh, you find that in Exodus seventeen seven, Deuteronomy six sixteen, as well as Deuteronomy nine twenty two and Deuteronomy thirty three eight. Then you have Hadad or Hadad. He was the um, he was of the or he became the Har- Hararina people in the mountains of northwest Palmyra. Uh, the tribe today uh, are mostly Christian. I think that's very fascinating. So you also have Tima. He was subject to Tiglath-Pileser III as well. We find his, him and his descendants referenced in Isaiah 21, 13 through 14, and Jeremiah 25, 23. And then I couldn't find where these other sons are. They may be in the scripture, but you know they may be in history, but I was not able to trace them. We have Jeter. Um Nafshfish and uh, Kidima. So those are kind of question marks. But I think it's pretty pretty significant that we found most of the princes and where they ended up in scripture. Okay, so now that we kind of dealt with that, let's move on to Genesis 25, starting with verse 19. So here we're getting into Esau and Jacob. Esau and Jacob. So verses 19 through 26, here we go. Now these are the genealogies of Isaac. Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took himself uh, Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, from Paddan Aram, uh, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. Isaac prayed to Adonai on behalf of his wife because she was barren. Have you noticed that? How come all of the matriarchs, Sarah, Rebekah, Rachel, leah they all had their bouts with infertility and barrenness to me that says that israel and god fulfilling the promise to abraham that they would be as numerous as the sands of the sea and as numerous as the stars in the heaven that That is a miracle in and of itself. I've never heard of a people or a people group having so much trouble conceiving. But virtually every matriarch had a problem with barrenness at one point or another. And so this kind of testifies how God touches their womb miraculously and allows them to have kids. Uh, All right. Isaac prayed to Adonai on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And Adonai answered his plea and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. But the children struggled with one another inside her talk about sibling rivalry right i mean it's normal for brothers and sisters and siblings to fight to be mean to each other to say nasty things to wrestle to punch to pull their hair and yes even try to stab them with forks (laughs) uh but so even before they were born they were they were fighting with each other right uh so but the children struggled with one another inside her and she said if this is what it's like or if it's like this, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of Adonai, and Adonai said to her, so this is a prophecy from God that was given to uh, uh, to Rebekah. Now, it kind of looks like she's by herself when God gives her this revelation, but because the man is the head of the household, she relayed the message to isaac or isaac was right there with her when she received this revelation i don't think this is something that 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 rebecca kept from isaac it would have been improper for her to do so in the eyes of the lord so adonai said to her two nations are in your womb so we have the nation of israel and then in the nation of edom the edomites right that's that's who esau became is the edomites two nations are in your womb and two people from your body will be separated one people will be stronger and the other people than the other people but the older will serve the younger so this is prophetic that esau is going to be born first but regardless of esau being born first god already determined and 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 dictated and said that it's going to be jacob that's going to be over esau that the that the older will serve the younger And that was just totally backwards in the days that the scriptures were written in because it was the firstborn that always got the inheritance but you know so okay um let's move on to uh, keep going with verse 24 when her time came to give birth indeed there were twins now these weren't identical twins uh, maybe in some aspect they were identical, but clearly we will see a difference in them. Uh, if they were identical twins, they weren't quite identical because one was smooth-skinned, the other was quite hairy. Um, so we guessed that they were probably uh, um, fraternal twins, which means they were brothers, but they didn't really look alike. Esau looked like Bigfoot, and you know, <laughs> Jacob looked like you know, a smooth balloon, you know, I mean, he has smooth skin. He hardly didn't have any hair. So uh, when the time came for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. Now the first came out reddish. Now that's pretty important, really, reddish. Um, A lot of children are born and they're very rosy colored, you know, because the blood is circulating and they're being born in the trauma of being pushed out of the birth canal. But reddish harkens back to Adam. Adam means red. Adam was taken from the dirt, from the soil. And if his name was Adam, it it references two things. His dark skin tone, like a reddish mahogany, a dark skin tone. Because remember, you have to have a lot of melanin before you can have a lack of it, correct? Uh, So um, that was the color of people back then, was kind of a darkish, reddish mahogany color. Like even the Eboo people, they're black people, right? They're part of the tribe of Israel through Gad. There are some that are called red Eboos these are black eboos who have a reddish tint to their skin and it harkens back to this red is also the color of blood it represents life that's why he was named adam so we have here that now the first came out reddish all of him was like a fur coat so it's like she gave birth to bigfoot right and they named him esau afterwards his brother came out his hand holding onto esau's heel So he was named Jacob, which means heel catcher. Isaac was 60 years old when he fathered them. All right. So now we're going to read verses 27 and 28, and I want to bring out the dangers of favoritism within families. So verse 27 says, When the boys grew up, Esau became a man knowledgeable in hunting and outdoorsman, while Jacob was a mild man. He was a Clark Kent kind of guy right remaining in the tents now isaac loved esau because he had a tasty a taste for wild game but rebecca loved jacob so we see right away there's favoritism maybe you know maybe rebecca favored jacob because because jacob was a mama's boy he hung around the tents obviously he had a flair for culinary arts because he was always cooking uh, as we'll see later he cooks a a, a lentil stew which um Esau purchases in exchange for his birthright. Uh, It also kind of hints that he was more of a scholar. He was more of an intellectual, more of a thinker than this rugged outdoorsman. And because maybe, you know, this is why Rebecca favored Jacob, whereas Esau, Isaac favored because Esau was really everything that Isaac was not. Isaac was sort of like Jacob, and I don't think he liked that fat fact that he was mild-mannered, that he was kind of a man of the tents, that he was never one of these rough-and-tumble, rugged guys, because he's probably thinking to himself, if if, if there's going to be a leader that's going to carry on the Messianic line, he's got to be strong. There's going to be a lot of people coming after him. There's going to be a lot of people hunting him down, trying to wipe out Messiah's line. So he's got to be a leader. He's got to know the wilderness. He's got to know how to lead people. He's got to be a military type. He's got to be rough-and-tumble so he can defend himself. So maybe that's what he was thinking. And he's like, well, besides, he's the firstborn. That's our tradition. He's supposed to have have it all. And so maybe, you know, he he kind of grew close to Esau and, you know, because of all the things that he was not. Uh, Okay, so we see this favoritism really gets in the way because this favoritism causes isaac to forget that prophecy that the younger is going or that the younger is going to be the leader and the older is going to serve the younger he totally forgets about that prophecy or he just willingly forgets it and is going to make esau the head anyway um but rebecca knows and remembers what god said to her because this prophecy was addressed to her she knows how important it was to keep the messianic line going and uh, how dangerous it was if esau uh, because their personalities were different. Esau even though Esau was a rough and tumble guy, could defend himself and was probably a good military type leader, he wasn't a good leader as far as a people because he was selfish, he was brutish, he didn't think ahead. He he thought with his flesh, his stomach took over his mind at times. His, you know, things like this. And and Jacob thought things out. He didn't act rash rash or hastily. He thought things out, and maybe there was an indication that he was a little bit closer to God in this respect. Uh, so Esau was selfish and fleshly and not spiritual. Jacob was shrewd. And we, we often equate shrewdness with a negative trait of being deceitful and a negative trait of, you know, like that. But remember in Matthew 10 16, Yeshua said, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes. In other words, be cunning, and I will uh, be strategic. Think ahead. Don't let people walk all over you. Don't let people get one up on you. Be smart and think a couple moves ahead. Be shrewd, not in a bad or negative way. And remember the parable of the unjust steward, where this guy uh, was mismanaging his master's money. His, ma- his manager said, "Look, you're fired. You know, you, you know, I'm going to cut you loose here pretty soon. So get things straightened up, straightened out." So he went back to all the people that owed his master money and basically cut all their bills in half because he's like, I got to do something because if I lose my job here, I can't dig ditches. I'm too weak for that. I'm too proud to beg. So I want to make friends with these people that owe my master money so that when he cuts me loose, I'll have a place to stay. I'll maybe get another job with them. And so ironically, even though he cut this unjust steward off, he praised him for being shrewd. For being smart for thinking ahead and preparing for himself so this is what Jacob was like Uh, okay so in verses 20 29 through 34 it says now Jacob cooked a stew when Esau came in from the field he was exhausted now let me tell you the legend behind this it wasn't just a hunting trip it wasn't just a hunting expedition According to legend and according to extra biblical literature, the book of Enoch and the book of Jasher and things like this, Esau was in competition with Nimrod. Nimrod was still alive at this time, he was still a mighty leader. He was called a, might, a mighty hunter before the Lord. Legend has it that, um, you know, Nimrod was a descendant of Ham through Canaan, a descendant, and he was one of the Canaanites, right? And so Ham was on the ark with Noah, Shem, and Japheth, and everybody else. Well, what they took on the ark with them, according to legend, was the original garment of Adam. The very garments, the very animal skins that God had made to cover Adam and Eve after they fell and realized they were naked. There was a lot of mystique behind this garment, that it was legendary. Uh, that uh, it was legendary, that it, it, it maybe had some mystical powers or qualities to it because it was made by God Himself. And that's one of the reasons why people think Nimrod became a leader by influence of wearing this garment. Well, according to legend, Esau goes hunting for Nimrod and steals the garment because he wants to be the mighty hunter before the Lord. He wants to be the leader, right? So that's the legend. Like I said, we don't know if it's true or not. I'm just kind of giving you a little extra here. Now, Jacob cooked a stew. When Esau came in from the field, he was exhausted uh, because Nimrod found out what had happened and they're hunting for Esau and want to take his life for stealing the garment. So Esau said to Jacob, please feed me some of this really red stuff. This red stuff we find out later is lentil stew. It's red. And Esau was red and hairy when he came out. So there's kind of the connection there. Because I'm exhausted. That is why they called him Edom. Edom comes from Adam. Adam, Edom, both means red. Just different ways to pronounce it. So Jacob said, sell me your your birthright today. Sell it to me. Esau said, look, I'm about to die. They're going to kill me. I'm exhausted anyway. I need my strength to keep moving. You know, look, I'm about to die. Or of what use is this birthright to me? Jacob said, well, then make the pledge to me now. Let me have it. So he made a pledge and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob, so this was legal. This wasn't, this was shrewdness. This was legal. This was not nefarious. This was not tricking Esau. Esau willingly, legally sold his birthright to Jacob. He didn't trick him out of it. You know, Esau could have said, forget you, you know, this birthright's more important than this stupid stew. I can go find something to eat somewhere else. But no, Esau thought. Of the right now he thought of the flesh he thought of his immediate danger his immediate hunger he wanted to satisfy it and it didn't he didn't he didn't care how much it cost he wasn't thinking how important this birthright was and wasn't thinking ahead how he could use this birthright later on so he sold it it showed how he didn't care about his family or the lineage so he made a pledge to him and sold his birthright to Jacob then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew see lentil stew that's the red stuff and he ate and drank, then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. It's, it's like when somebody get, gives you a gift, they put thought into it thinking, oh, I think this person would really like this. I want to show them how much I love and care, and I'm going to buy this gift for them. And when you give them the gift, they look at it and go, why would you get me that for? That's stupid, and toss it to the side. They despise the gift that somebody else thought was going to be so precious to them. That's what the birthright was. In esau's eyes he despised the birthright birthright i can't eat it i can't smell it i can't touch it i can't spend it what good is it to me kind of get the picture now all right so that is chapter 25 of genesis and that's our sunday school lesson for this day hope you guys really enjoyed it let's go ahead and close uh with a word of prayer please remember after today um i'm not going to be online at 11 o'clock for the uh sunday morning service because we're going to have our sunday morning our sunday service in the parking lot of the church yes you know it's going to be a drive-in service first time we've ever done something like that so i'm really excited and we're going to have it at 2 p.m to make sure it's warm enough for everybody we don't want to do it at 11 it might still be a little bit too chilly you know so we're going to wait till two o'clock to have our sunday uh service at the parking lot so if you can join us Come early, uh, you know. You want a good, you want a good parking space. You want a good seat. So come early and hope to see you there. So let's go ahead and close with word prayer. Lord, thank you for the awesomeness of your word. How even the lineages and the begats and the names of places. Are so intricate and important to the Word of God, and if we just take the time and the patience to study them out, we're going to get blown away by the stuff you've put in your Word that's hidden within the layers of the lineages and the begats and you know the, the the places that people travel to. So Lord, help us as we have just studied your Word. I ask that you would put a blessing upon the the reading and the hearing of your Word this morning. Help it to not only get into our heads but seep down and filter down into our hearts. To a place where we can understand it and assimilate it and make it a part of us. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your mercy, your blessings, and everything that you've done and everything that you're going to do. We ask and give you praise for these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. Love you guys. Hope to see you at 2 o'clock in the parking lot of of the Plaster Rock United Baptist Church. 2 p.m. parking lot service. Shalom, and we'll see you later. Love you guys. Have a great day.